Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. I've seen more of a focus on, okay, well, these are our top 10. This is really our high quality education products. How do we you know, continue to improve those and focus here rather than trying to build out a library, a vast library of things that will quickly get outdated. It's more about focus and value building in those programs that you already have an audience that you've seen success with. I'm Jeff Cobb. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 292 of the Leading Learning Podcast, which features a conversation with Amber Winter. Amber is CEO of WebCourseWorks, a learning technologies company providing a specialized learning management system for associations and other types of learning businesses. As CEO, Amber is focused on helping customers deliver high-quality, impactful professional development to their learners, and she's focused on the learning culture within WebCourseWorks. Jeff and Amber talk about Amber's transition to the CEO role, the state of the learn tech industry, and which trends are having an impact on learning businesses and learn tech. Spoiler alert, artificial intelligence comes up. They also talk about competition and what learning businesses can do to stand out. Jeff spoke with Amber in February 2022. I know you've been at WebCourseWorks for a pretty good while now, but you're pretty new to this CEO role. So what, what's that been like to, to shift from what you were doing before into, I guess, being the, the person in charge of everything? Yes, yeah, so very new. I think I'm today um, a month into the role. So... It's a really a challenge for me personally because I love sales in our market and working with our customers. And so, you know, that's going to be a transition for me to kind of step away from that and focus on the business and the culture of the company. But it's fun. It's an exciting challenge and it's professional development for me, but also for our company to be at the the place it's at right now and where we want to go and how we can help our customers get there. I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity and to be in this role. But with anything, it's going to be a transition for both myself and for, for John, our founder of the company. Well, because this is a, a podcast that's so much about learning, I'm, I'm interested mm-hmm. to know, are, are there specific things you're doing to kind of get up to speed for the role, things you're reading or mentors you're, you're looking to or... 
Yeah, great question. I've actually been in a professional development group called Vistage for, it's a peer group for CEOs. I've been in that for now a year. I also went through a Harvard Business School online program that addressed my weakness in finance a couple of years ago. So we've, you know, I've really been focused on my professional development to tackle this role and be in it and know that, you know, I've got to continue to surround myself with advisors and mentors so that I can, you know, live up to the the position that I'm in. And now I don't know, and, and I'm not going to ask your age, but I, I know you're relatively young. You're certainly younger than I am. Um, you're also female. And, and, you know, it seems like, uh, in fact, it's been written about quite a bit that we don't see a lot of representation of either younger generations or women in leadership roles at tech companies, uh, and, and in this case, particularly learn tech companies. I'm wondering, is, is that your experience? And, and to the extent that it is, do you see that changing? Obviously, you're changing it some, but uh, do you see it changing in general? Yeah, you know, I'm personally very fortunate to have worked at a company that I've not been discriminated against. But you're right, you know, it's it's an obvious problem in the the software industry. I will say that the organizations we work with, associations, it's not a problem. Um, it's really a software industry problem, and. I do see it changing. I see it improving. I see software companies being the place to be for flexible remote work environments. And what better for millennials, for females to really enter in and have flexibility in their careers. So I think, you know, we're primed in the software industry to have an open door. The barriers that I see are you know, current executive teams at software companies have to be open to coaching and mentoring. Again, back to the professional development, I wouldn't be here if our, you know, John Allickson didn't invest in my professional development when I, you know, told him this is what I wanted to do. So I think we have to have an open mind and really focus on coaching and mentoring regardless of sex or age and making sure that we're providing opportunities for people that are ready to excel. Well, and I really love hearing what you're an example of, because it sounds like, you know, WebCourseWorks and, and John did see the potential in you and invested in that. And there was that professional development and, and helping you to come along in your career, which, I mean, is what you hope is going to happen with, you know, every person in every role at every company but uh, or organization, but we know it doesn't. So it's, it's good to have you as a, as a shining example of that being a successful thing for an organization to do. Amber is the new CEO of WebCourseWorks, and here's more about the company. WebCourseWorks is a learning technologies company with an ever-evolving learning management system, CourseStage. CourseStage LMS is leveraged by organizations of all sizes to build a learning business and track education outcomes for proven success. Download the WebCourseWorks guide, Four Ways an LMS Can Help Build a Revenue-Generating Learning Business, and learn how your organization can leverage a learning management system to generate revenue for your learning practice. Get the guide at webcourseworks.com slash four hyphen LMS hyphen revenue hyphen models. We encourage you to check out WebCourseWorks and you can find the link to the guide, four ways an LMS can help build a revenue generating learning business in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 292. Now, back to Jeff and Amber's conversation. 
there's just so many questions we might explore here, but I thought we'd start at kind of a higher level around just learn tech in, in general, the, the, the state of learn tech out there since, you know, you, you're in the thick of it basically. And I mean, one thing that's become clear to me over the, the past few years is that we've gotten a level of buzz that reminds me of the, the early days back when I got involved with learn tech, the, the gogo.com days where, you know, everybody was investing in, in tech companies, everybody was in, investing in learn tech companies. And we've certainly got I think a lot more buzz around LearnTech right now. We do have investor money flowing in. We're seeing acquisitions. We're seeing mergers. And of course, like I said, you know, there have been these kinds of surges and, and ultimately bubbles before. But this time, I'm wondering if it's a, a little different. I mean, do you see anything special about the opportunity that LearnTech represents right now? And, and maybe especially with an eye towards that adult lifelong learning continuing education market, which I think has probably been underserved before. I think that the investment, the, the hope of the investment is to really improve the technology. And it's super exciting to be in our position as a learn tech company in this surge. Now with that excitement and that hope, again, we, we need to see it in reality improving our products and the technology that's used to drive these learning businesses. Have we seen that happen yet? I'm not sure, but I get really excited about the strategic investments that are happening between like-minded organizations kind of combining and working together to improve their product. I, I think that's very promising. I don't know where that's going to go or how we use that or capitalize on it, but it's always a good thing when there's more investment in the space and the promise of really improving the technology that comes out of it. Well, and when you look at where things are, are headed, I mean, we've got trends out there like virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence. Um, we've seen a huge movement of events online, so online conferences now. When you think about the trends that are out there, what do you see as the areas for the most significant positive impact in the near future? Let's say, you know, one to three years out. I see artificial intelligence, personalized learning being the thing that we're closest to that will really make a big impact on what the technology is doing for the industry. Um, there's always trends and you know, things that are going to come up like LXP or virtual reality. But it also is what is the customer ready for? The technology can only, you know, really implement and change as fast as what the market is ready to support. And like at WebCourseWorks, we're consistently talking to our customers and trying to be agile with what do they want to do with the platform? How do we improve it in ways that they will actually use it rather than following the buzzwords? And I think that's what we need to focus on in the short term is we are seeing real life applications of personalized learning and how that can help the learning outcomes, engagement, adding value for learning businesses to say, you know, you should be here. This is better than Coursera because it's it's really personal to you and what you're doing in your career. So I, I think that's probably the biggest area of opportunity in the next three years. And I mean, in terms of you, you mentioned that, what are customers ready for right now? I, I mean, how how have you seen that evolve in recent years? You said there are some instances where personalization can come into play and there seems to be some mm -hmm. readiness for that. Uh, 
you know, what are customers prepared to do now that maybe they weren't three or four years ago? What are they kind of clamoring for that maybe they weren't three or four years ago? They're a lot smarter. The pandemic kind of forced us all to learn online learning. And that's amazing for us learn tech providers because we have people comfortable in front of a camera. We have people comfortable with social learning. So I think they're ready for more engagement. They're ready to invest in higher quality education, not just quantity, but, you know, really quality courses and certification programs. You know, I think one of the challenges with our our customers is accreditation rules and just kind of working around some of the formalities that they have to, but we can be innovative and think of different ways to accomplish those goals and add value to the learning experience. And now you threw out the, um, well, you just used the the term learning experience and you threw out the acronym uh, LXP not too long ago in the conversation. And I mean, there has been the growth of the learning experience platform, the, the LXP. There are other platforms out there that have been there for a while, like learning content management systems. Uh, you've got learning record stores, handling data. There, there's a lot that's kind of emerging and evolving in the platform world. And then, of course, we've already mentioned you've got virtual events, virtual conferences um, going on. Those are another type of platform that are evolving. You're a learning management system company. I mean, I know you do, you provide services around that, but your, your core software, your core learn tech is a learning management system. Where does an LMS fit in now in that sort of, you know, that landscape of the, of the technologies that are out there? And I mean, I'm thinking, you know, five years from now, will we still be talking about an LMS or are we going to be talking about just a, a general learning platform, a learning and events platform? Get your crystal ball out. Where, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of questions in there that you just asked me. But, um, you know, I, I think the difference, what I've seen with an LXP and when people say they're looking for an LXP or when I look at just the websites of LXPs, it's all about kind of enticing the learner and focusing on some of those more, I would say like corporate use cases of boring compliance training that we need to get somebody to to take. Whereas we're in our world, you know, we're creating learning businesses and it's more about the marketing, the personalization. Those are also quote unquote features of an LXP, but LMSs have to do that and they have to do it right now. <laughs> um, that's not a future state. Like it's it's happening right now and that the learning management system has to do that. So whether the market starts deciding to call this all of these learning platforms and being more broader, I think that makes more sense than trying to differentiate between an LMS and an LXP. But I don't, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. I just know that there's plenty of features that your learning management system should have that are kind of meeting that dream of LXP, quote unquote, as well, because we're all data driven. You know, we have to use that information to recommend content and really focus on the learning experience. And, you know, all of these platforms, learning management system, learning experience platform, the various events platforms, they're all trying to help the learners, the attendees solve problems, you know, hopefully, you know, progress in, in, in their careers, get the learning that, that they need. When you think sort of more broadly about some of the things we're wrestling with as a society, as a culture, I mean, what, what are the, the, the real learning related opportunities or problems that we need technology to address for us? I mean, how, how do you see the platform you offer and learning platforms in general 
helping us to address problems and, and maybe solve problems that we couldn't without them. Yeah, the learning platform is really important to drive that experience for the learner with engagement opportunities and then really tracking the learning outcomes. I think we're in this universe of so much content that you could go anywhere to get any content. I think there was a statistic of YouTube. There's you know how many hours posted every single minute. So there's so much content out there. The learning platform market and learning management systems and associations using those or learning businesses providing content, they have to use those platforms to engage learners, create communities around education, but then also assess those skills and the skill development. We've seen a lot in like competency management and really measuring and tracking skills progression. And I think that's one of the things that we add value is helping organizations track and manage actual skills and improvements, outcomes, data. How are we providing higher quality education that's improving this this individual and what, what they know now after they've gone through our courses? And when you think specifically about the world of trade and professional associations, because I, I know that's where you do you know, the vast majority of your work. And I guess, you know, the kinds of problems they're they're helping their members solve, the opportunities they're helping them take advantage of. And I think you just enumerated some of them. But when you think about that wide range of organizations that serve adult lifelong learners, there are others, you know, there are academic continuing education units, there are commercial training firms. What do you feel the 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 particular opportunity, the, the special opportunity for associations is in this kind of learning landscape? Well, they're the experts and they have so much expertise, subject matter experts that, you know, are in the field every single day that are members of their association and capturing that value and that kind of expertise as it shifts all the time and being able to continue to update their content and courses and create this community of practice is really, you know, the vision of the association and the education that they're putting out there. So, you know, I think they're maybe challenged by that, but also in a great position compared to other types of organizations because they have that knowledge base that not a lot of people have access to. So it's really more about capturing that and learning how to kind of purpose, repurpose and market it so that it creates high quality education products for them to build a learning business from. That's the, the opportunity here in this space. And do you have much of a sense that you know, associations that you talk with and that uh, maybe become your customers are feeling threatened by some of what's going on out there. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that there are now large commercial training companies like a Udemy uh, has a huge catalog of offerings. There are a lot more commercial organizations that have membership models, for example, and are often rolling in subscriptions to training and education as part of those membership models. What have you seen the sort of association perspective and response on, on that to be? You know, I think they're they're always going to have competitors and yes, they, you know, are feeling that competitive environment, but they're in a position to provide more specialized education than say a university that's broader and serving, you know, a lot more markets. So, you know, the promise of the association is really focused on that specialization, the specific industry that they're serving and 
they already have, you know, this member base that is their audience, but I have seen them expanding that. I've seen our customers focusing not only on their specific industry, but like-minded organizations working and partnering with other associations to help each other and kind of combine forces so that they do have more competitive advantages as well against, you know, the Udemy's of the world. And, you know, whether it's uh, an association or, or any other type of learning business, you know, a market-facing organization serving adult learners, I mean, what, what kind of advice would you offer somebody right now? And, and maybe let's take that from two perspectives. I mean, somebody who's sort of just getting into it, really trying to launch in, into it. What do they need to keep in mind? But then maybe I know you're, you know, probably working with some more mature learning businesses, larger that are trying to compete, trying to grow, trying to expand. What types of advice would you, would you offer those different types of organizations? Well, for the first set, so organizations just getting into it and starting out, content is king, still is, always will be. And you have to have quality content that is teaching them something, is teaching your users something and know the value of that. We've had a lot of people come ask us for an LMS and they're not ready for it. So you really got to focus on your content plan first. And then how are you going to address the market with that plan, with that awesome content that you've developed? For more established learning businesses, we see a lot of success with products like self-assessment programs, um, test prep programs. So creating education content that is you know, specific to certifications, continuing education that can be tracked and adds value to the professional for their career. So you're always just trying to match that product that you're offering to some kind of value proposition and making sure that, you know, what you are putting out there is valuable to the learner that you're targeting. And what we've seen is actually kind of a consolidation of content with our larger learning business customers that have, you know, maybe they came to us with hundreds of products. I've seen more of a focus on, okay, well, these are our top 10. This is really our high quality education products. How do we you know, continue to improve those and focus here rather than trying to build out a library, a vast library of things that will quickly get outdated. Um, it's more about focus and value building in those programs that you already have an audience that you've seen success with. Are there examples you can offer of organizations that you think are doing that particularly well? I mean, it sounds like there's a certain amount of just clarity in, in what you're going to deliver, providing learners with a, a clear path to accomplish, you know, the, the specific set of goals that your organization can really serve well for them. To the extent you, you don't have to name names, if you can, that's great. But even generically to describe some of the organizations you know that are doing that. Yeah, I think I can share a few because they're on our website anyways. So one of our customers, the American Society of Hematology, they've been very focused about their education planning and they have, you know, they came to us with a lot of different programs, but then created kind of this niche focus on ones that really added value. So one of those for them is their self-assessment program and, you know, they're running that and continuing to improve upon it and using kind of an iterative process to continue to add value there. Outside of the medical space, the Institute of Real Estate Management, they have created a certification program for property managers that 
relied a ton on in-person kind of classroom local based courses pre-pandemic and now they're using their RLMS to deliver the certification program still instructor led but really kind of rethought the model and it's been wildly successful over the last two years they've seen a huge growth they can reach more property managers but they still have that instructor component so it's still very personal and they're creating a community around it but that certification program it, it you know it's more formal education than just attending a webinar it's it there's you know a series of six classes they have to attend, discussion forums, et cetera. So kind of creating that value package in a more formal environment has been pretty successful for our customers that have these products that are are really successful. And to clarify, are these happening totally online? Is there any face-to-face element at this point in these programs? There is. There are face-to-face components. Um well, right now, no, but um, yeah, but I'm saying, I guess I say face to face, there are some like virtual Zoom sessions happening in some of these programs to increase kind of the social engagement that happens. But I'm seeing that used more in kind of the collaboration aspect of the course rather than the formal learning of the course. Right. I, I need to be careful these days when I say face-to-face because I know yeah. we're, we're technically face-to-face right now uh, because we're using video as we do this, so more in-person. And, and part of the reason I was asking that is I'd love to have your perspective because I think everybody is sort of wondering about this, a lot of you know, gnashing of teeth about what's going to happen with in-person over time. You know, Are, are, we, are we eventually going to get back to a place where in-person – assumes the same role that it had before? Or have we really experienced a fundamental shift that you noted earlier, that people have woken up to e learning, they've got a lot more experience with it. Now they're a lot more comfortable with it. Are we now at a point where maybe the balance is is tipping to the online and face to face, I'll say in person is going to be, you know, something, something more special going forward? Um, I I mean, I hope so. I hope so because it increases the quality of both aspects. You've got your online education that enables you to broaden your reach. It enables education to happen without time limits and without restrictions geographically. There's a lot of positives that come from that, but there is so much value in that in-person experience for specific reasons, not necessarily to go to a conference hall where there's 600 sessions happening at different times and you can't possibly be in six rooms at a time. So that's not even, that wasn't valuable to begin with. So I hope that those in-person experiences become more purposeful and strategic and, you know, do they, they have so much value around the community building and just mentoring and learning from each other, more case studies, and you know some of the things that are just easier conversations to have when you're in a room with someone compared to online. So I, I think they both serve their own purposes. And I'm just hoping that this opens the door to higher quality education on both sides. Hmm. This is a related question because I think traditionally what's been a problem for online learning is that people feel like online learning isn't as good. Online learning isn't as effective. You have to be in person if you really want to get the best experience. And and we know that there's plenty of research to say, no, that's not the case. But do you feel like people are more willing to accept the possibility that e-learning can be, often is, just as good or or better than in person at this point? Is Is there more receptivity to that than there's been in the past? 
I think there is. And this is where it goes to the quality, because Mm -hmm. if you're just sharing webinars and calling that online education, while it's an aspect, that's not the quality education like you're going to get at a conference because you're not being evaluated. There's no testing component. You're not being held accountable for what you're learning there. And I think the online education that adds value is a little bit more formal, maybe puts the learner on on the spot with a timed question right after they watch the video. One, it depends as far as how the online education is delivered. And and that's on us, learn tech vendors and the the industry using our technology and, and putting an online education out there. We're responsible for that quality that's happening online. Well, maybe to wrap up our, our, our conversation, I'll circle back to close to where we were at the beginning. And we noted, you know, you're a new CEO at uh, the, this learn tech company. When you think about your goals for yourself, for the company, and really for the audience you're serving. I imagine that has to be top of mind right for you right now, um, coming into this position. What are some of your goals going forward? What are you hoping will happen with you, with WebCourseWorks, and with this whole adult learning sector that, uh, that you're serving? I hope to see not only WebCourseWorks, but all of us become even more agile changing faster, improving our quality of education faster, finding ways to engage and collaborate online that's different than, you know, just a Zoom meeting. So how do we get over the Zoom fatigue? How do we move forward and and really use what we've learned the past couple of years to enhance the quality of what we're doing and the work that we're doing at WebCourseWorks? That's kind of our mission right now is how do we take this and in, the investment happening in this space, the comfort level happening with online learning and use that energy to enhance what we're doing and improve as a company. And hopefully the industry will continue to improve as well. I think that is a a great perspective on it, that we do have so much momentum, so much new positive energy that has flowed into this space over the past couple of years for unfortunate reasons. And and I guess uh, because of COVID being a big driver of it, but nonetheless, it's a time of opportunity. And I think that's a, a great perspective on it. Amber Winter is CEO at WebCourseWorks. You can learn more about her work at webcourseworks.com and you can connect with her on LinkedIn. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 292, you'll find links to the WebCourseWorks site and Amber's profile on LinkedIn, as well as full show notes, a transcript, and other resources. You'll also see options for subscribing to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss future episodes, we encourage you to subscribe. And subscribing also helps us get some data on the impact of the podcast. And we'd be grateful if you take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Salisa and I personally appreciate knowing there are others on this leading and learning journey. And reviews and ratings help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to leave a review and rating. Lastly, please spread the word about leading learning. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 292, there are links to find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. <laughs>